All right, here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I am Jeremy Jackson, host of the Sports Medicine Broadcast. I have Dr. Crystal Tyree, who's going to be helping me interview Megan Johnson. Megan is the first athletic trainer that I've met who is an active college athlete and a licensed credentialed athletic trainer. So if you heard the first part of her story on athletic training chat with Joel, so that just released as of this recording yesterday. So you can check out her history and we're gonna be talking about where she is now and where she's going in the future. And this is it. Crystal was the one that said, hey, I really wanna hear your story. And so Crystal, Dr. Crystal Tyree, welcome to the podcast. And uh, Megan, welcome to you as well. Hello, good morning. Yes, all right, okay. Uh, this again is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com and this one is Megan Johnson. So sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Megan Johnson, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Megan Johnson. And Megan has an H in her name. So you have to make sure it's M E G H A N and then Johnson. Uh, and I'll have a link to the podcast, previous podcast with Joel. And I'll put it in the Facebook comments later if you're watching live on Facebook or if you're listening later, it'll be in the show notes. So again, check out her, Megan's, the first part of her conversation with Joel over on Athletic Training Chat. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find that one as well. Megan, I just listened to the podcast with Joel and you are, you're an athletic trainer, you're a licensed credential athletic trainer, you are a senior college athlete uh well senior you're a captain on your college softball team you're in graduate school and he asked you the question what is your dream job and you said well I think this or this you I I have a hard time believing you didn't you don't have a plan you don't have something pictured you don't have this you know spot created so tell me a little bit more about that because I really want to know where is your dream job? Where do you see yourself in 5, 10, 20 years? What is that ideal for you? All right. Um, I mean, <laughs> answering that question was a little bit tough because what my dream job would be feels like at this point in time, like super uncommon in the athletic training, in the athletic training realm, like as we're starting to come up on like psychology being this huge topic in athletic training and sports medicine and all this stuff. So like, I would say it's not super common, like what exactly I picture myself doing. So that's why it was kind of hard for me to answer. But, you know, I would say settings wise, I loved working collegiately. I would, I loved like that high pace, like waking up at 4am traveling on weekends and stuff like that. But ultimately I would just love, and I would see myself in a situation where I'd get to like dabble in both like my background in psychology and my background in athletic training. So I would love to be in a situation where maybe I handle all baseline, like mental health testing and all like, you know, cases where kids are going through rehab or something like that and do like midway check-ins with them. Like just basically handling like the mental, like the mental health aspect of rehab and, you know, therapeutic intervention and all that kind of stuff. That's ultimately my dream job. But, you know, right now that's not super common to come by. I know in my area, like I look at the job boards pretty frequently and that's not really something that's maybe like one or two at a college, but 
you know, it's not like a super frequent thing to come by. So, you know, I'm hoping that like in the years to come, as this continues to be like this massive topic and a topic of great importance that, you know, my dream job seems a little bit more obtainable, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I think actually Joel mentioned that they hired somebody similar Mm -hmm. to that ideal uh, recently over at UW-Lacrosse. And so, Mm -hmm. so I would encourage you, don't say, well, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I mean, hey, just say, this is where I'm shooting for, right? Um, so right. tell me tell me a little bit more. You think you would you really want to work in college athletics or are you working anywhere where you can combine the two? Um, I definitely don't want to limit myself. Um, I don't know. I felt like in undergrad, my clinical rotations, I had like a good bit of experience at like secondary schools and, you know, private schools, public schools, collegiate, division one, division three, you know, I got to kind of dabble in a little bit of everything as far as like what was offered. So, and I liked all of the settings that I got to work in, in my clinical rotation. So I'd be very happy working wherever would give me the opportunity to kind of marry these two concepts of, you know, counseling and psychology and athletic training. So honestly, anywhere that's going to allow me to do those things, I would be happy to work. So. I got you. Crystal, what experience did you have uh, growing up through undergrad or like on the way to earning your degree? Um, Well, I was also a college athlete. Um, I played basketball at a a small NAIA. And so um, I was first at a junior college and actually um, tore my ACL twice. And then I transferred to the small NAIA and I only played like one more year of college basketball and then, you know, decided to focus the rest on, um, you know, my academics. And so that kind of, um, I guess, how I got into athletic training. Um, I always knew I wanted to be an athletic trainer when I was in high school. And then of course I had the two injuries that kind of like solidified it and how I, you know, fell in love with athletic training and how I wanted to get more involved. And then, you know, I transferred to my four year that had, you know, a program there. And so I played one more year of college ball and, you know, I listened to Megan's podcast with Joel and, you know, the things that she was saying about the grind. I mean, it is a grind being a college athlete and then then doing, you know, athletic training. You have to have good time management skills. And I also was trying to work at the same time. And so um, it ended up working out, but I I just wanted to focus on um, athletic training the last couple of years. So I decided not to play my last year of basketball. Um, And so that was pretty much my journey. Um, After I graduated, I Um, went on to be a GA um, in Texas um, and then finished a semester early and moved to Dallas and did a lot of contract work Um, and then finally got my full-time job in Mississippi, was there for a year and then um, decided to work on my teaching certificate and I came back to Texas where I've been ever since like 2012, 2013. Right and then you actually I think shared most of that story so that you shared right there with, with Joel on, on the podcast as well when he talked mm-hmm. to you. Um, I think you've been on, have you been on the Joel's twice? Yes. Yeah. So I think you did the one about race. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. So so you can hear more of Crystal's or Dr. Crystal Tyree's story on the Athletic Training Chat podcast where she did two with Joel there as well. All right. So Megan, looking at where you're going to go. So we, we talked about your dream job is mirroring athletic training and uh, the clinical counseling, the, the psychology aspect, um, where do you feel like the athlete part? So as, as we're recording this right now, are you, you're done playing softball? Is the season over? 
Yeah, we just lost a heartbreaker uh, last week in playoffs. So we just beat a conference rival for the first time in program history to force a must uh, must play or if necessary, must win game uh, on Sunday of last week. And we dropped it in extra innings. Super unfortunate. I've been uh, sulking about it all week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that yeah. <laughs> college athlete career is officially closed. I actually have next year is my sixth year so okay yeah uh, again, so again not taking anything away from joe but i know you talked about the sixth year and i thought uh -huh. i thought this was six year because you're currently working on your graduate study so i was like all right so mm -hmm. she had five years undergrad and then one year in the sixth year so next year graduate mm -hmm. school athletic training you're going to continue yeah. playing softball next year yes so this was my first year of graduate school um, so I did my undergrad in four and then this was my first year of grad school. Um, and then I just found out like a couple of weeks ago that I was being granted my six year. So I decided, you know, my program's three years, like two years of classes and one year of internship with clinical counseling. So I'm going to be here. I might as well stick it out and play if I have it. So. All right. So Crystal, you chose not to play your senior year of basketball so you could focus on um, your studies, what might you say to <clears throat> Megan in the situation? Like just kind of, you two have a conversation here. Like this, this is why I chose this. This is, this is my struggle. Um, I think my thing was, is that like, I wanted to work and have extra money. Um, and I was moving off campus to like, um, I guess a town, well, it wasn't a townhouse, but it, I was moving off campus. And so I had to pay for that. Um, and so I wanted to also work. Um, and so, you know, if you live on campus, that's covered. And so, um, yeah, that was my decision not to play my last year. Also just um, having that knee injury, um, it was really just like bothering me and, um, as much as I wanted to play, I was just like, I just need to focus on um, my academics and, you know, graduating and getting a job um, because, yeah, that was what I was there for. So what do you have for, for Megan regarding, like, what questions do you have for Megan as far as that? Um, so um, I guess right now, like, what? As far as you being certified, did you do you have your license right now too? So you could actually work if you wanted to. Yes, I've been uh, working per diem hours whenever okay, gotcha. I wasn't. Yeah, so gotcha. just keeping it at my own pace right now and right. working when I can. So. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, so um, I think I saw one of your questions in the document of like, or Joel mentioning how like you don't, not Joel, sorry, Jeremy, mentioning how he doesn't want to play rec ball with people because if somebody gets hurt, like um, they would go to him. Um, did you have that experience, you know, playing softball? Like people would ask you like, hey, like, what do you think this is? Yeah, um, we have had so many athletic training students on the team over the year as well. So this is something that like, even in like early rotation, you kind of learn to set this boundary with girls on the team that like, no, I'm not going to step on the toes of our athletic trainers. If you have an issue, go to them. And for me, I was always the type of person that, and this was not how everybody that was an athletic training student 
and was on the softball team viewed things. But for me, I compartmentalized the two things. When I was at softball, I did not want to be bothered with athletic training things. I wanted to be playing softball. When I was at athletic training stuff, I wanted to be doing athletic training stuff, except for I had mentioned on um, Joel's podcast that there was my medical hardship year. I was like sneaking the live streams at rotation. And that might've been the only time that I was like mixing the two, but I made it very clear with girls on the team that, you know, I was not the person to come to. They had people for that, that get paid for that and are supposed to be taking care of us. And our athletic trainers were my preceptors at one point. So I have that good relationship with them and they respect me enough to be like, you're here to be an athlete. Like do not handle anything. Like you are here to play softball. If something happens and it's an emergency, obviously step in, but we had athletic training students covering stuff. We had our athletic trainers at everything. So there was very few times where, you know, my presence was really needed for stuff, but there was people that would definitely try and like push the limit and push the boundary. And I was like, no, I always put my foot down about that. And that was probably like the first place that I ever learned to say no to anything was that when I'm at softball, don't bother me about athletic training. I'm here to be an athlete and just learning to compartmentalize those two things, especially this year. I intentionally came back to play softball. I'm no longer an athletic training student. I don't have to worry about rotation when I'm in season anymore. And that's very unique as compared to other years. So I was like, unless like our athletic trainers aren't here an athletic training student isn't here, like unless nobody's here, please do not bother me with athletic training questions. <laughs> please just let me play. And, you know, our coaches were really good about that too. They were always like, you know, if we need you, we'll call on you, but we don't need you. So, you know, that's good. Yeah. So you said learning to say no life balance is really important. You know, athletic trainers usually are busy and in in the collegiate setting, y'all travel. So here at the high school, we're done for the year. All of our sports are done. We're at the point we're closing out, you know, we're doing CPR, catch up, all that stuff. Tell me some of the, the lessons that you feel like moving forward, you would have learned from learning to say no and how you think you can translate that into your career as an athletic trainer? Man. Um, <laughs> I mean, definitely when it comes to like compartmentalizing like that and learning not to like spread myself too thin, there was definitely times like being a student athlete and being an athletic training student, especially that I was spreading myself a little bit too thin and I was trying to squeeze too much in at once. And I was trying to hang out with my friends and have a social life. I was trying to catch up on schoolwork. I was trying to get extra time in the cages to make up for what I missed and doing all that stuff. And just watching like, you know, my mental health slowly decline because I was trying to, you know, fill everybody else's cup and fill all of these responsibilities with a cup, with a cup that was empty. And, you know, that's probably the biggest lesson that I learned being like a student athlete in undergrad and then took it into, you know, now my graduate experience. And then like my career in the future is stop spreading myself so thin and as like college athletics and then being in like a pre-professional program is like the ultimate balancing act. And I was constantly spreading myself too thin and constantly just yesing people because I thought that's what they wanted. And I thought I'd be a bad student if I wasn't telling people yes, or I thought I was a bad teammate if I wasn't just saying yes to everything. And, you know, when I finally realized that like, you can't fill everybody else's cup if your cup's empty, that was like the greatest lesson that I ever learned. Like being a student athlete, going into my career, just life in general, that was the greatest lesson that I'm glad that I learned pretty early on. So 
All right, Dr. Terry, you mentioned the knee was just bothering you. And she was talking about always having to say yes. And, uh, and she mentioned some of the emotional, mental health aspects that she was struggling with in the podcast with Joel. So talk to me a little bit more about your mental health aspect. And then, and I'll say a long time ago, because you said it was, uh, what, 15 years ago, something like that, when you were, when you were in the situation and mental health wasn't really talked about uh, back then. So talk to me a little bit more about what that looked like for you as an athletic trainer athlete. Um, as far as like mental health and how I was coping with everything. Right. Um, so being an athlete and an athletic training student, like to me, like you shouldn't be hurt because you're an athletic training student. You should know how to take care of yourself. And so when I was hurting or was hurt, like I didn't go to my athletic trainer, who was also my preceptor, who was also my CI. I didn't really go to her. And, and it was to a point where I was like, I can't even play basketball anymore. I remember one specific injury. It was like probably like a hip flexor strain and I had no idea what it was. Um, but you know, I finally went to her, but to me, my, in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, I shouldn't be hurt. Like I should know how to take care of myself um, because I'm an athletic training student. And so, um, and then again, with my knee before I had went to, or transferred, I, th- I had surgery. I actually had three surgeries. The third one was just a scope. Um, actually, no, it was after that first year. I can't remember again, it was 15 years ago. Um, but yeah, so it was just constant aches and pains that, you know, I just put in the back of my mind, like I just overlooked them because, you know, I shouldn't be getting hurt. I'm an athletic training student, so I should know how to take care of myself. And so mentally, that's how I was as a person. Like I tried not to be hurt. So, um, and there was really, we didn't have an avenue for, student athletes with mental health issues. I mean, that, like you said, it wasn't a big thing there. So I figured it wasn't as big of a deal of the way I was coping. All right, Dr. Tyree, I want you to imagine a job for Megan and I want you to, you're going to think for a second. So I'm going to ask Megan something, but okay. what does, what, where do you see her um, with the skills that she has in the, in the, graduate work she's doing. So Megan, while uh, Dr. Tyree's coming up with that, what are some of the things that you felt like you said yes to that have really helped you uh, or that may help you? Because you never know when that one little situation turns into a job, turns into an opportunity. So saying yes is important, but you know, they all talk about the best yes and that kind of thing. So what are some of the opportunities that you said yes to that you felt like really helped you? Um, so I think I had mentioned on uh, Joel's podcast that uh, my medical hardship year, I was diagnosed with a QRI malformation after horrible lifelong headaches. Um, you know, cheering at softball was just like unbearable for me. I lost complete feeling in my left arm. And that's terrifying as like a student athlete and an athletic trainer. Like, you know, our livelihood is our hands and our arms. So I was like, what am I going to do with my career? Like I'm halfway through this and what am I going to do now? And, um, I, you know, I had brain and spinal surgery in my junior year for the QRA. And then like, that's when I started struggling a lot with like spreading myself too thin and like some of my mental health issues and stuff like that. And then, um, I've had other like medical issues. Like I was, I was diagnosed with dysautonomia this past winter and stuff like that, that are all just kind of related back to like my QRA, which is something I was born with and didn't know that I had until I was 20 years old. And I am someone that 
does not like to be the center of attention. I did not want to talk about it. I just wanted to be a normal kid. I just wanted to fit back in with the team. I was like, you know, I want to be supported and loved on, but like, I just want to fit back in. Let's not talk about me. Like, I just want to get back to softball. I want to get back to athletic training. Like, I don't want to be like the constant story. And I've done other podcasts with like friends and stuff where like, I call this like the hero story. It's like always like that comeback kid, like type of thing. I hate that. It drives me crazy because, you know, there's a lot of like highs and lows and there's a lot of, you know, bad feelings that come along with like the comeback. And so I never talked about it. Like I was very uncomfortable talking about my story and my head softball coach who she had just come in, she was a new coach and she had coached at St. Joseph's university and she uh, knew someone that I knew from St. Joe's who had the same thing as me, who was like the first person I ever met with like this condition. And she kind of like pushed me out of the nest to like talk about it. And she would like put me in these situations where she'd be like, this person has X, Y, Z, go talk to them. And I was like, coach, no, I don't want to go talk to them. Like, I'm not going to talk to them. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, I remember we were at a clinic once and it was like, I was teaching something and she goes, that girl over there, her mom has like a brain thing. You should go talk to her. And I was like, you want me to go console a woman that is the same age as my mom right now? I was like, I've never done anything like that before. I don't know how to talk about my story. And, but saying yes to her and trusting her when she told me to go out there and talk about it and stop running away from like my feelings and my emotions kind of landed me in this position and kind of landed me right where I was with like the injury psychology and like the mental health aspect of sports and stuff like that. Like her forcing me to do that. I always loved psychology. I always thought it was really interesting, but her forcing me to do stuff like that was what kind of built my interest in what I'm now going to school for. And it just kind of showed me that the more that I was talking to people about this and the more that I was just being super transparent and being like, yeah, it's not the hero story. Like, you know, everybody says to look at the bright side, but you know, there's days that it doesn't feel like there's a bright side, just being super transparent with people like that and just being, I don't know, supportive and feeling like I could relate to people just put me in this position where then psychology just became one of like my major focuses in sports medicine. And, you know, if I never said yes to doing that stuff to her because I trusted her enough to say yes and just do it, um, I never would be in this position right now to even go to graduate school for clinical counseling, to even like have these conversations with people about like mental health and sports. Like if I never said yes to that and felt comfortable enough to share my own story and just be transparent about it and honest about it, I would never be here. So. All right. So I'm going to after I talk to Dr. Tyree, I want to come back and say, what are some of the no's that you kind of feel like, oh, I wish I had taken that. I wish I had done this. All right. So be prepared for that. But Dr. Tyree, okay. what do you think? Where with your experience do you feel like is a great job, great fit, a great uh, position for Megan? Um, so I know how Megan said there's not many like positions out there like you know, with what she wants to encompass. And I'm a big proponent of like, if there's not a job out there that you want, like create that job for yourself, um, propose it at some place that you want to be at, propose that job position, um, because it is going to be beneficial. Um, and then also with, you know, long-term rehabs with athletes that have, you know, season ending injuries, like I, 
think that rehab should also encompass um, mental mental rehab. And so with with a with her being having her athletic training background and then this clinical psychology, you know, she come in at a certain point in rehab and she's also a part of that rehab. So in addition to their exercises, um, they go in and they see her and they get you know rehab and health help on returning to sport. Um, physically as well as mentally. So I think it should be a part of every long-term rehab um, with an athlete. Um, in addition to like, she could, like I said, you can propose your job to some, you know, organization and you can go in and say, hey, like, this is what I do. And um, do you have any athletes that have certain conditions? Like I can educate your, um, you know, staff on how you um, how you handle those certain athletes in certain situations um, because of their certain conditions. All right. So, Megan, what do you think about some of the things that you wish you'd said yes to or you, you look back and, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if? Um, it's hard to think of specific things because there's a lot of times, and I think everyone would probably say the same things about themselves, where I've been, like, too scared to, like, take a risk on something but there was one thing that's like coming to my mind right now was that there was an opportunity that I had this fall with a team physician that I had worked with and I was um, working some per diem hours at like one of my former clinical sites and you know the team physician was there and he was like oh like I heard you're going back to school for like psychology I have this athlete and I was like terrified I was like oh my god I've never I don't I'm not credentialed for this yet. Like, I don't know if I can help you, you know? And he was like, he just, he just needs somebody to talk to about what he's going through. And I was so scared because I was like, I don't feel qualified. Like I just felt like this massive imposter syndrome. And I think that's something like, you know, like I said, it's hard to think of like specifics, but like this like imposter syndrome and feeling like I wasn't good enough or qualified enough to be in certain positions or be in certain situations. Like, I think that's something that's, you know, going back and looking back on like, you know, my career as a little student and stuff like that. I wish I had done that differently and just had the confidence in myself to be like, no, okay, go network with that person at that symposium. Like, look at all these other people with the confidence to just go up to this person that's like been in the field for 15 years and, you know, they hold this job at this professional sports team. Like, just not being scared to do those things and to just put myself out there and not be afraid to fail. If I fail, like, you know, I don't know, I'm going to pick myself back up again and I'm going to learn from it and do better the next time that I'm in that situation. And, you know, I ended up talking to this athlete that the team physician recommended to me and it didn't pan out exactly the way that I would have hoped that it did. And the next couple of days, I just felt like this massive failure. And I was like, this is what I'm going to school for. And I messed this up so bad. And then I realized like a couple of days later, I was like, I didn't mess anything up. This is my first time ever talking to somebody like that. And, you know, I'm young. This is the beginning of my career. Like, I really don't have the background yet. And this is just a learning opportunity. And all this kid needed was somebody to talk to. And all you can do is put yourself out there and hope that that's enough for somebody and hope, especially when it comes to mental health, all the, you can do for somebody is like be supportive and try and help them through it. And if they're receptive to it or they're not, there's not really too much else that you can do about it. But I just wish in other situations, I had just not been so afraid to like put myself out there and had the confidence in myself to know that I'm more than capable of 
doing the things that I love to do. So. so I think there's two really cool things is one that the doctor said, like he believed in you enough to say, Hey, just give it a shot. And the two that you realized, you know what? I learned from that. Like when we had to do CPR, I had a kid that ended up dying. We did CPR, AED that completely changes everything the way I teach it. Like, well, Hey, in real life, the AED does make the whole body jump. Like you see, and I had to tell the police officer, don't touch while I, while they're shocking. I had to tell the nurse, don't touch while they're shocking. This is important. This is important because sure. you know, that, that event has now shaped, okay, well, I can see what I did there. Let me remember that and move forward. So right. um, as Dr. Tyree was mentioning the the mental health aspect, the the injury, the mental injury recovery, I've talked with uh, Robert Andrews from, I think it's the Sports Performance Institute. I've done two or three on here with him talking about the mental aspect of recovery. Um, have you have you started looking for internships and, and things like that? And where do you... Where do you want to pursue the combination of athletic training and uh, counseling? Um, I haven't quite started looking for internships yet, so I'll start my first um, like practicum experience next spring. Um, but the way that our program works, I'm not so sure that I would be able to do something that's like a little bit more sports and mental health specific. Um, so I'm going to try and get like a full scope of like, I don't know, testing the waters of like all of these different um, clinical experiences in psychology. But I would love to like, especially in the greater Philadelphia area, there's so many resources around here that have to do with injury psychology, like mental health and concussions, like stuff like that. And I would love to get in with something like that. There's, I want to say down in Philly, there's like a place, um, there's a doctor that does a lot with like the mental health side of concussions and, you know, through connections with like our school and like stuff like that. I could get in contact with them and I'd love to do that. I just think that would be like a really cool experience, like considering concussions are a massive topic and mental health is a massive, massive topic and just exposing myself to like all these different, I don't know, arenas right now while I'm a student still. And like, I know what I want to do and what I can see myself doing. But right now, while I'm a student, I just kind of want to get, like, I don't know, the full experience of, like, a little bit of everything. But I haven't been able to look too much into intern internship yet. So that'll be, like, a next semester we'll start looking. Like, my advisor and I will sit down and start looking for stuff in the area. But there's a lot to pick from in this area. It's a really good place to be for what I'm looking at. So uh, We sometimes play this death is not an option game and athletic trainer or athlete. You got to pick one of them. You can't combine them. You can only do one. You know, if you had to do college uh, over, you could only be an athlete or only be an athletic trainer. Which would you pick and why? Oh, man. <laughs> Jeez, that's tough. <laughs> I saw that on the sheet and I was like, well, I prioritized athletic training for four years. And this is the first year that I've ever actually picked being an athlete over being an athletic trainer. So, but I... If I had to go back and do it again, my intentions were never to play college softball. And I was very content not going on to play college softball. Um, I would choose athletic training if I had to go back and do it again. Um, <laughs> it sounds so like rough to say that because <laughs> I don't want to choose. But, you know, I never thought that I would play college softball. I waited until like recruiting season was over. I was halfway through my senior year before I was like, oh shoot, I want to play 
college softball. Maybe I should have looked into this before when schools were contacting me. Maybe I should have uh, contacted them back. Maybe I shouldn't have just like ignored this. And then, you know, by the time I decided that I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Okay. And uh, uh, by the time I decided I wanted to play, I was you know, a little late in the game. So I always kind of knew that I wanted to do something with like rehab and sports medicine and stuff like that. So I think I think if I had to do it over again and I had to pick one, I think it would be athletic. <laughs> That's a hard uh, question. <laughs> it is. And, and, you know, there's really no wrong answer. It's just kind of whichever you would choose. Um, yeah. So all the new athletic trainers are getting their BOC results, pass or fail. Um, whenever I took it, this is my 17th year as a professional. It was the three part with the uh-huh. written, written sim and the practical. And so I passed two out of the three and I had to go back and take the written or the written sim, one of those two on that first try. So my first attempt, I didn't, didn't pass it completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like for you? Did you pass it on the first try? Yes, I did pass it on the first try. Um, It was a little bit of a rough go because I was slated to take it in like the May section of last year and then COVID happened. So got pushed back. Um, But I did pass on the first round. And I would like to give a little shout out to my roommate, Kylie, who she just took the BOC and she just found out that she passed. So shout out to Kylie. She's been working really hard. So I'm glad to see that it paid off. Congratulations, Kylie. Dr. Tyree, what did it look like for you when you took the test? <laughs> I actually um, took it in April, the year, like the April before I graduated that year. And I think, did all of us take it? I can't remember. But I remember like specifically we were in the cafeteria and we got that email, BOC results are posted. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to check. I don't want to <laughs> check. I don't want to check. And so like we had a class that afternoon and so like I waited like I and then when we went to class they were like have you checked it I was like no I haven't checked they're like what are you doing check I was like I don't want to I don't want to and they're like check it so like I like go in the corner and check on my phone and it said I passed and I was like oh my god and so like I had to go to the bathroom because I, I cried <laughs> and so um I, and like they were like yeah and so then we had like clinicals we had to be an athletic trainer room that afternoon and so I went in there and just you know just chill or whatever and everyone had thought I didn't pass because I didn't say anything. And they were like, did you pass? I was like, yeah. They were like, what? Why didn't you tell us? And so they were like, now we got, you know, I don't know how many we had, but they were counting us as staff now. They're like, now we have, you know, five certified athletic trainers on staff now. And so it was a pretty exciting day. Um, So yeah, I passed on the first try. (laughs) Did you take the computer or the three part? I did the computer and I think it was my second year in the program when it got changed to the computer program, or maybe it was that year they were like, it changed the format change. So oh, I yeah. think I was the either the first or second year with the computer format. Gotcha. All right, Megan, if you're going to say something to athletic trainers who did not pass, so putting your athletic trainer, your year of experience, your clinical uh, or your psychology skills that you're learning, if you're going to say something to them, what would that be? It's just a test. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't reflect your clinical skills. It's some people are just better at taking tests than other people are. And I've known amazing athletic trainers and I've had mentors that did not pass on the first go and 
they're amazing athletic trainers. It's no reflection of your clinical skills. It is just a very long test. So don't get discouraged and, you know, don't overstudy yourself. That is, I, the senior class right now, I TA'd them last year and for like their therapeutic rehab class. And that is something that I noticed with them this year. I was like, you're taking the test in a couple of days, stop studying. You know, everything you're going to know, just relax and, you know, just take some self-care time, trust that you know what you know, and it is just a test. Uh, my coworker, Sophia, she, like in our district, when you apply, you have to take these, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it's an aptitude test or something like that. And so her, her scores on that test, like it, it asks you math and English and history and questions, stuff like that, like it's random. And her scores on the test were really low and almost to where the point to where it's like, well, I, she's like at the bottom of the list because of, you know, that's one of the things that they require is they got to take from the top of the list. But I could not have asked for a better coworker athletic trainer. And so, yes, it is just a test. So don't let that, don't let that define you because I couldn't have asked for a better coworker with Sophia. And she almost didn't get it because of the, the scores on the application test. So remember that, that what Megan said, it's, it's just a test. Take that break. So, all right. What do you think your first year out of all of college, graduate school and everything is going to look like? <laughs> um, well, hopefully I'll get a job. <laughs> that would be a ideal, help pay rent. Um, but I don't know. I would love to stay in like the Philly area and just get connected with some of like the colleges around here and just, you know, kind of like Crystal said, try and do like advocate for myself and what I see in a job and, you know, what I see myself doing as a career. And, you know, I feel like, you know, saying yes to some of this stuff that like doing podcasts and, you know, networking and stuff like this that I normally wouldn't say yes to, um, just putting myself out there is going to put me in a good position when I do graduate and I do finish up with like my internships and everything that, you know, I'll feel a lot more comfortable in my first year out advocating for myself in the workforce and trying to get a job that looks like what I want it to look like. So that's me being a little bit optimistic, but. <laughs> All right, Dr. Tyree, um, we'll leave it with how, how do you recommend Megan advocating for herself, finding that job that you recommended, you know, that she create that job. What's your last piece of go get it, Megan. Um, I mean, you know what you bring to the table and everyone else knows what you bring to the table. You just got to put it out there. And like you said, network, um, write down a list of, you know, pros and cons, where you want to be located at, what's your, you know, what's your population or target patients like you want to help and just put it all on paper and write goals down. And every time you accomplish that goal, like scratch it off until you get to that one big goal. Because I think that seeing it on a piece of paper versus like, okay, like, yeah, I know, but writing it down and seeing it every day and knowing that that's where you want to be at and setting a timeline for yourself is probably the biggest thing you can do, you know, right now. Um, it's just to have a plan and then have a plan B too. So, but have that main plan. All right, Megan, leave us with one last thought, quote, interesting story, funny fact. Something, something about you, something memorable to, to leave us with. <laughs> so while you're thinking about that, 
Dr. Tyree, what's the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? Dr. Tyree, what's the best way oh. for somebody to get a hold oh, of you? Oh, I thought you were waiting on Megan. Okay, uh, the best way to get a hold of me is Twitter, uh, capital underscore KT. Um, it's not private, so you can message me. I mean, you can email me too. K, well, my personal number, K-A-Tyree10 at gmail.com. But yeah, that's the best way. All right, and I'll have those linked in the show notes there. Again, this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Megan Johnson, Megan with an H. All right, Megan Johnson, licensed athletic trainer in graduate school, college, softball player, softball captain of the softball team. What is your last, what are you going to leave us with? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, on a non-serious note, if you're short like I am and you're on the sidelines, keep your head on a swivel because I can't tell you how many times I've been run into by uh, very tall football players on the sidelines. And that's no fun when you get wrecked on the sidelines and you're supposed to be the one taking care of people. Um, <laughs> but on a serious note, uh, thank you guys so much for having me and allowing me to, you know, tell my story and, you know, kind of advocate for mental health and put that out there and, you know, I put a lot of these thoughts out on Twitter and have just been tweeting into the void since I graduated my thoughts, my thing, my feelings, my opinions. And it's just kind of cool to talk about some of that stuff with actual people and not just, you know, out into the Twitter void. So, you know, if there's anything that I can kind of say is like a takeaway, it's just always advocate for yourself and your mental health. And I said it before, but you can't fill somebody else's cup if your cup's empty. So always learn to set boundaries and learn when to say no and when to say yes. So. All right. So you mentioned tweeting into your void, into the void. <laughs> so tweeter, tweeter, <laughs> Twitter <laughs> is probably one of the best ways to get a hold of you or to kind of find out more. So what is your Twitter? Um, my Twitter handle, which has not changed since high school, which I also said on Joel's podcast is green Meg and ham, a little play on words from Dr. Seuss there, but Twitter is definitely the best place to get a hold of me. So. All right. Uh, again, I'll have that linked in the show notes that and Dr. Tyree's, but also if you could just search on social media, you'll probably find it because it would probably say like people you follow and that kind of thing as well. I am Mr. Jeremy Jackson on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and then the Sports Medicine Broadcast on Instagram and Facebook as well. So uh, Frio Hydration is one of our sponsors. I love Frio Hydration and the equipment that they provide the hands-free stations is going to be really nice. Even if, you know, we move beyond COVID and everybody goes back to quote unquote normal, it's really nice to not have athletes putting their dirty paws where you're trying to drink some water from too. So I, I highly recommend those hands-free stations from Frio. And then physicaltherapy.com, one free course. Well, it's the number one and then the word free course is where you can get started working on your CEUs. It's also a really affordable, great way to do that as well sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Megan Johnson. The first part of her interview when we kept referencing all throughout the podcast is where she did with Joel on athletic training chat. Again, I'll have a link to that as well in the show notes, but wherever you listen to a podcast, you should just go ahead and subscribe to Joel's athletic training chat uh, as well. So, and then you can also check out Dr. Tyree's two podcasts she did on the athletic training chat with Joel over there. For Jeremy, Megan Johnson, Dr. Crystal Tyree in the Sports Medicine Broadcast. That is a wrap. Thanks.